Hi, this is Jake Turner for the Turning Points Podcast. This is where you're going to find the best guest, Charles Davis, analyst for Fox Sports and NFL Network. He's Arifa Sun, uh, AAF writer and Vikings writer for The Athletic, and takes you won't find anywhere else. You're not buying into the uh, Kevin Durant, Patrick Beverly feud? No. I think that's a joke. I think that's about as big of a joke as when Richard Karn hosted Family Feud for that year. Find this podcast and subscribe to it to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's time to get to both sides of the story. Well, the Toronto Raptors uh, finally had their parade uh, a couple days ago, and we're back here on Turning Points where we go both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. And I'm about to bring on a very good friend of mine because I've been wondering what has been going on here. We had some big news come in about Mike Conley uh, being traded to the Utah Jazz, and they got a bunch of players back for it. But we also had the NBA draft, so I knew who to bring on here. He's my good friend from HoopsRumors.com. He is Chris Krause. He is going to be doing a live chat of the NBA draft tomorrow night. You don't want to miss it. Thursday night. Uh, mark your calendars for that. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. We know about Zion and John Morant. Who's going number three? Hey, Jenk. Uh, th- thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, number three is kind of, I don't want to say it's set in stone, mm-hmm. but uh, R.J. Bear is going to be the fifth. What can you say about the rumor that was uh, earlier this week about the Pelicans trying to trade up to get Barrett? Yeah, uh, what we passed along really was the Pelicans' interest in trying to trade up to number two to pair Barrett with his friend Zion Williamson. Uh, that's that They would like that to happen, I'm sure, you know, and, and especially for the right price. But quite frankly, Memphis is not trading back from that position. They're going to take John Moran. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's the point guard. He, he will be the point guard of the future come, you know, come Thursday night. Who will the Pelicans draft at number four? Uh, I think Garland is going to go number four. Whether he's going to mm. end up on the Pelicans or not, that's that's really going to be the real question. I think it's I think it's I, I think he's the guy that's going to be drafted there. And the Pelicans, you know, they could look to trade that pick for a, a number of players. It's just really hard to find and try to predict which team it's going to be. I mean, I liked the Wizards taking that pick and Bradley Beal coming to the Pelicans, but the Wizards are not going to trade Bradley Beal. They're going to keep Bradley Beal. So it, it's really looking around the league and trying to, if you if you really want to predict where that war pick's going to go, um, it, it's kind of hard to do. Garland only played five games, and it looks like he's putting all his chips in the middle. Why is Garland starting to become a topic of conversation? Uh, I mean, he's he's a supreme athlete. I mean, the dude the dude would probably be in contention for the number three pick or even the number two pick hmm. uh, if he had played the whole season. It's that. You know, it's that uncertainty that is going to drive him down to the fourth pick. So if you believe in that, if you believe that he is, you know, a, a person who can come in and be, you know, the Russell Westbrook, you know, the Chris Paul type of player right away, uh, or at least what they were in their in their first couple of years, then then you, you, you're happy getting him at number four. He's a steal, right? He's a, he's a definitive, you know, kind of top two player. But that's not certain. It's really the certainty that's surrounding him. But the uncertainty that's surrounding him, that's causing his, that's the only reason he's not a top two pick. Aside from injury, what is the uncertainty? Um, you just haven't seen him play. You don't, you, you've only seen five games. It's such a small sample size. So, yes, you have the injury and you wonder how that's going to work out. But, you know, you, you know, like these teams trust their doctors and they trust the medical staff. So if they give them the thumbs up, they're confident that that'll, that won't be an issue. 
it's seen him play against elite talent, and we haven't seen that. Um, but, you know, in these drills and these workouts, he was very impressive in the workout that he put on um, uh, last Friday. Uh, the Lakers and the Cavs were there, um, among other teams. And you, you, you're going to see this guy. You're going to see this guy come out next year, no matter what team he's on, and he's going to be impressive. And you know, I don't think he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate because I think it's going to be Zion bearing an injury. But you're going to see him uh, be in contention for uh, you know that second or third spot on the rookie of the year ballot. How much pressure is on Zion Williamson? I mean, he's the number one pick, and you know, with, with every number one pick, it comes this kind of pressure. Uh, I mean, arguably the you know, the most talented uh, guy going number one since Anthony Davis. And I think, I think what, what the Pelicans have right now is they're, the pressure there isn't going to be as great as it would have been in New York or other places, right? The Pelicans are happy to have him. They know, they're happy to have him for the next four years at least. And so I don't think you're going to have that, that kind of media, media scrutiny and pressure from the fan base in New Orleans that you would have had in other places. I mean, the pressure, don't get me wrong, the pressure is going to be on him to live up to expectations, uh, similar to how LeBron was in 2003. Uh, I think you're going to see it in game one. You're going to say, okay, this is not an issue. Like, this guy is the real deal. And uh, there, there really is no, no no reason to worry or no reason to even, even you know, like talk about the expectations or the, or the, or the pressure that's on him because, you know, I, I think he's going to exceed it. He is Chris Krause of HoopsRumors.com joining us here on Turning Points. We go both sides of the story. And aside from that, when it comes to Garland, what is another player that is starting to get some noise going in the top 10? <clears throat> uh, so, I mean, there's a few players. I mean, Kobe White was very impressive during his Wizards workout. I had a chance to attend that. He was there with a Nasser Little um, mm-hmm. North Carolina teammates, and they were both very impressive. Uh, I, I would I would be shocked if both of those or neither one of them fell outside the top ten. Um, the other player that I'm I'm really zeroing in on is, uh, is is Jackson Hayes. Now I think Jackson Hayes falls slightly outside the top ten. I think he's going to go. He's he's probably definitively top twelve. But I think that's a big man that can move. He he you know you can bring him in and you know what he's going to do. And that's a little that's a level of certainty that some teams are going to cherish. What team would fit with uh, Kobe White or Nasir Little? I mean, the Bulls would love to get Kobe White at number seven. I, mm. I don't know whether he's going to be there, though. You know, that's a that he, uh, point guard, and, and particularly how impressive he's been in workouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it would be it would be hard for them to get him without uh, without trading up. But then again, you know, like picks number four. I mean, Garland is probably certain to go there, but not not as certain as top three picks. Five and six are, are not certain at all, right? It's kind of five and six are a crapshoot. So who knows? Maybe maybe the Cavs have a special guy in mind they like. I know their coach likes Hunter back in Virginia. Uh, the the Suns they might not even be picking there. They could trade that pick. You know, there's talk now about them keeping it, but you know, there's still there's still a lot of uncertainty before the Bulls uh, uh, make a selection at number seven. So you could see you could definitely see. You know, Kobe going there if if he slides that far, but I think that's his floor. I don't think he, I don't think he gets past number seven. Why is there some little hype for DeAndre Hunter? He was clearly one of the best players uh, in the tournament, and I just continue to hear nothing about him aside from all the Zion hype. I don't think he's the flashiest player, and I think that really you know that that's why like he's not as he's not as sexy to talk about in in the media as some of these other players. Um, 
I mean, he's he's not falling out of the top eight. The, the Hawks at number eight are his floor. Um, and he's going to be a player that comes in and gives you production right away. Um, if I had to pick, I think I think that he's going to go number five to the uh, to the Cavs, um, assuming Garland doesn't fall out of the five spot and there's not some sort of surprise in number four or, or in the top four at all. Um, but but yeah, I mean, there really should be a lot of a lot more talk about Hunter. I mean, he's a, he's a you know he has a, he has a polished game of what he does well. He should be able to improve. And, you know, that's a, a high-character player that you probably want to bring into your program, especially if you're a team like the Cavs or, or the Suns or, or the Bulls with a lot of inexperience on the roster. You know, he's a, he's a nice building block. With John Beeline as the new head coach of the Cavaliers, how can they fit in DeAndre Hunter? I mean, he's going to come in and play right away. You know, whether you, you could see him, you can kind of envision him and Kevin Love, you know, managing, uh, managing the front court there. I mean, you can also see them trading Kevin Love at some point and, uh, you know, and, and putting Hunter at the four there. I think ultimately he's going to be a four. I, I think, you know, you could play him at some three. He's going to almost be like a Marcus Marcus Morris type where, you know, you can kind of go back and forth, but you almost want to put him in that unless he come, unless he starts proving that he can shoot, which Marcus Morris did. Um, you, you want him at the four until that happens. And so I think I think he'll be a four for, for uh at least the first year um, of John's uh, tenure there. What team in the top 10 is a team to watch out for, like a dark horse? Uh, I mean, the Hawks are trying to move up with their two picks, right? So, okay. you know, I really, if they, the Pelicans at number four might be the spot. <clears throat> and I don't, I don't know if I hate that. I don't know if I hate that, that trade. Uh, it's just a matter of the Pelicans. Do they want two rookies there in addition to Zion? Um, and, you know, at, it's really a matter of what they prefer. I mean, uh, it, with the number four pick, right? Chris, what was your first reaction to the Anthony Davis trade? Uh, wow, I it was really it was really just a wow. My first thought was I I saw it and I thought immediately of the RG three trade. Um, and I know we're doing cross sports, but I thought about the okay. RG three uh, trade in Washington, uh, where Washington gave up a ton of picks, and, and it is different, right? Because Davis is a certainty, but you know, if you look back in the NBA, this kind of this kind of package where where, where you're handing over these type of picks, uh, it doesn't happen that often, even for the top stars. Um, I mean, you can kind of compare it to the KG deal, but it's, I mean, it's a way different environment. Mello, Mello, the Knicks gave up a lot for Mello, but you could argue that they really, you could argue that this team, uh, the uh, the Lakers, gave up more than Mello, uh, the Knicks did for Mello, and um, I really think they gave up a lot. But that being said, the Lakers won this trade, right? The Lakers got Anthony Davis. They got a top five player in the world. They got a, they got someone who is going to be able to extend LeBron's career, who's already under contract for the next couple of years. Uh, you know, the Lakers, Lakers won the trade. It was just a matter of how much they were going to pay to do that. Why did they win this trade? Because if you're the Lakers, you have to have a star power. You have to pair LeBron with somebody. If you didn't do that this summer, you're losing Right. And if you go into free agency without Anthony Davis, that third star isn't as attractive to your situation. Right. You, if you're looking at someone like Kemba Walker, you're saying, OK, I can come there and play with LeBron. Yeah, maybe it'll work out. If I come there and play with LeBron and Anthony Davis, that's a much, much more attractive situation. And that's going to allow them to really build a big three uh, in, in L.A. And I mean, it's trouble for the rest of the league. I mean, L.A. right now is the favorites. Um, according to according to just a, a lot of people around the league, 
Um, I think it's a little premature because, you know, they still have to fill out that roster. But um, the fact that they're in the conversation now after the dreadful season they just had is, you know, such a huge swing. And that's, I mean, that's Anthony Davis. I find it interesting because I like the haul that they got back from the Pelicans, too. But you mentioned Kemba Walker. Mitch Kupchak is the general manager right now for the Charlotte Hornets. How will the Lakers be able to try and get Kemba Walker to leave Charlotte? Oh, it's not going to be money because, you know, the Hornets can offer a lot more. They can offer the Supermax. Um, still not certain whether they're going to do that. Um, but even if they go halfway to the Supermax from the, from the, from the standard max, it's still a lot more money than, um, than Kemba can get uh, elsewhere. Um, I think it'll really depend on, on that offer. I mean, if you're looking at an offer where you're getting $220 million for five years, you're Kemba Walker, maybe you say, I can't, I can't give this up, and I'll worry about getting traded later if we're really bad. Um, maybe you think that you know, going to L.A. with these two other stars is the right move, and you'll, you'll make up for it in kind of the exposure. But, I mean, it's, it, it's really his preference at this point in his life. And, uh, I mean, if I'm looking at it from the outside. Uh, I, have, I mean, I have no like, source or anything of that. I predict he does end up on the Lakers. Um, you know, history has seen, you know, players move into these kind of situations. And somebody, the Lakers will get a third star. They're going to figure out the whole cap situation. They're going to get someone in there. And, um, you know, Kemba's probably not a bad fit uh, for that spot. So what? <clears throat> I'm just kind of speechless by this. Say that's, that's pretty much me when it comes to because I know Kemba said he wants to stay in Charlotte. But you know the Lakers, they have you know over under twenty four million dollars left in the cap that where they can bring in a big star outside of Kawhi Leonard, Kemba Walker, and Jimmy Butler. What is another player out there that the Lakers could possibly get? You know they have interest in Al Horford. You know they can they can go for a player like that. And okay, I mean it would be great for them too. Like you know there, there's. There's a lot of speculation that Kyrie Irving might be the guy, but I think he's. I think it's a done. I think it's a done deal for him to be in Brooklyn. Um, you know, you're not gonna hear anyone say that until almost his official time to sign. But uh, I, I think I think he knows where he wants to be. I don't think people make decisions of where you know long-term decisions overnight. I mean, it's certainly not gonna happen like you know the night of. Uh, so I think he already knows where he wants to be. But uh, circling back to the Lakers, I mean. They're going to be an option for for everyone, right? They're going to try to get a meeting with everyone. They're trying for Kawhi. If they don't get Kawhi, they'll go for Kemba. They're also going to flirt with Jimmy. They're also going to come, uh, you know, go further down. And you know, as you trickle down the free agent list, uh, Lakers will be involved in every major free agent, or at least speculated, speculated, uh, or has some sort of speculation until they actually sign the third guy. Where will Kawhi be the next year? Ooh, uh, I think I think you want. I think if you flip a coin, <laughs> you flip a coin, and one side is Toronto and the other side is is the Clippers. I'm I'm comfortable with whatever the outcome. Where where, where do you think? I mean, what is what is your what would you where would you like to see him? I would like to see him stay in Toronto because I figure that the Eastern Conference could use that rivalry between the Raptors and the Bucks for the next couple of years. He fit in nicely. The hype was away from him. He was able to build a good chemistry with Pasco Siakam throughout the season. I, I think that would be a great fit for him. But I mean, if he goes to the Clippers too, I think that would be also good because then you got a rival for the Lakers to, to battle because of the way Doc Rivers and Steve Ballmer have ran this franchise to make it even 
more of a rivalry. I, and I think that's what is needed in this new NBA that we have. Yeah, the LA rivalry would be would be fantastic, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you wonder what kind of team the Clippers can do. I mean, the Clippers have a great set of assets; they have great infrastructure. Um, they will need to bring someone else in besides Kawhi if this is the move, right? Or you know, because they don't have they don't have the depth that Toronto has, and not and and twenty teams in the league don't either. So it's not you know that's not that's not a that's not a knock on the on the Clippers roster. At all they they do have players. They do have they should be able to offer them a full team. It's just not quite. You know the level of, of uh, the level of good players that that Toronto has. So yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure which which way I actually would like to see him go. I mean, you you almost want to see him come and dominate the East because the East is is there for his taking, right? Like if he can get past Giannis again and the Bucks don't make any more moves, I don't see how they're not the favorites again, right? What does this do for the Raptors if they keep Kawhi? Uh, I think you. I, th- I think well, if Kawhi stays, Gasol also probably opts in uh, to his player option, and you're really running this team back. And I think I, I don't think much changes for them. I think you you're they're the favorites. You know, you have almost like to be the king in the East. You had to you had to beat the king, and you know they'll they'll come out and. I think you'll see. I think you'll see other teams in the East try to gear up, thinking, "Okay, we can be that second guy because Boston's deteriorating, uh, because the Sixers might lose a guy or two, or the Sixers might not have enough depth to compete with them." And uh, yeah, I think they're just going to control the East if uh, if Kawhi does come back to Toronto. What is tougher right now to be a Celtics fan or a Knicks fan? I I'm glad I'm neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know. I think I think if you're the Cel- a Celtics fan, you you can talk yourself into this being good, right? All um, right. You saw how Kyrie came in, and you know there's people who have qualms with, with with Kyrie, and you look at him and you say, okay, this wasn't a fit for the team. Let's it's best to kind of go our separate ways. Al Horford probably hurts a little more um, because he's such a good fit for Brad Stevens' uh, system, and uh, he's expected to leave. But you still have Tatum. You still have. Uh, you know, you you still have. I guess you have some picks, but the picks really. We've seen the picks are not as valuable as as you know, as, as they say. You have Jalen Brown. You you have some cap space now, um, and then if you're on the other side, if you're the Knicks, you know, I still think they get Durant. I think that you just got to wait a year for him to get better. And you know, the Knicks, they, they've been told to wait a year for how many years now? So maybe maybe they're conditioned or used to it. So maybe. Maybe being a Knicks fan might be better right now. <laughs> Assuming they get Durant. If they get Durant, then yeah, you take that. If they don't get Durant, because I mean, if they get, if they end up like striking out on the main stars and end up having to take a deal, like uh, Houston offered Chris Paul to to the Knicks, and uh, if you end up taking that kind of deal, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd rather be a Knicks fan. He is the optimistic Chris Kraus. You can tweet him at. at MBA Kraus, uh, he joins us here on Turning Points. Find him on hoopsrumors.com. He'll be doing a live chat with the NBA draft on Thursday evening. You don't want to miss it. I mean, as we said, you know, this is one of our highest podcasts is when we have Chris on here. So definitely get inside his head, get a good idea on what your team is going to be like. Uh, with this, why did Al Horford decline his $30 million option to the Celtics? That was something really weird. 
yes and no, right? So you have okay. to you have to feel like he has a sense for what the market will bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to bear. I think you're going to see him get twenty to twenty five million a year. It's just how many years is he going to get with that, right? The Celtics were trying to give him a three year deal. They said, okay, we'll give you you know a little bit less salary this year you know, compared to your option, but also, you know, extended for a couple of years. And they thought that was a trade-off. Uh, it doesn't appear to be the case. It appears he's going to get a four-year deal somewhere else. What can the Knicks do to get Kevin Durant? I think if they're, if they're going to get Kevin Durant, they don't need to do anything else, right? But he's already made up his mind where he's going to go. Um, and so if you're the Knicks, it's not like you need to, like, make a special trade to make it a favorable situation because he's not going to play next year anyway. So I think, I think if you're the Knicks, you know, this is in a way, you know, this is almost an easier path to building a team around Durant in, uh, during the, during the 2021 season, because you can draft RJ Barrett and see how you can see how he, you know, how he comes in and plays. You can take chances on other players and you can start to build a team around what Durant is projected to be. And maybe then the balls get another max guy in there because they have the two slots, uh, and and that'll give another guy instead of coming in and being the sidekick. You know, imagine if you're imagine if you are Kemba Walker or if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're Kyrie Irving or if you're dealing Angelo Russell and you're coming in as as Durant's sidekick. You know, in in a, in a world where everyone's healthy, that that has to take a little bit of a toll and has to be part of it. But now you get a whole year to be the man in New York before Durant comes back. Maybe that's a little more attractive situation. What will the Warriors do in this offseason? I mean, number one, they're going to try to they're going to sign they're going to re-sign Clay Thompson. And Why then, Clay? And then they're going to you know they're also going to at the same time try to uh, sell Durant on rehabbing in in uh, in Golden State. Here's another thing, Chris. With everything that has happened to Kevin Durant, why would you trust the doctors for the Warriors? Uh, he knows them better than, you know, anyone on the outside. Right. And, okay. you know, whatever, whatever the situation was where he was going to, you know, play or not play based on anyone else, he still, he still made the final call. Right. Now, whether he was getting information that, you know, said, Hey, maybe you should sit, maybe whatever information was swaying him. Uh, he, you know, he was going to play. It, it, it was up to him what he was going to play. And he just, he decided to play. He, I mean, he did get the doctors. Okay. And uh, I, I really don't think that'll that particular element will be a factor if he stays. You know, I think I think it's more if he stays. It's more of the situation where I don't have to do the move. I don't have to go around in a new situation. I don't have to trust all these uh, variables that are in the air. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to New York, and I think he's going to you know if, if, I think if, if the Knicks if, if he says I want to go to the Knicks and I'll pick my own doctors, then they're going to let him do that. <laughs> Man, this is definitely feels like the new NBA. I I am just floored. I'm floored by everything because I feel like with Toronto winning the finals, the Lakers pretty much mortgaging their future for the next three years. Finals are bust, and it just feels like a, a new NBA now. But one thing that is really interesting to me is the Houston Rockets. Chris, what in the world is going on with the Rockets? It's a it's a it's a weird situation, right? On one side, you say you you hear reports that the relationship between James Harden and Chris Paul are unsalvageable, right? And then the other side, Daryl Morey comes out and starts telling everybody that everything is fine, 
and the truth is probably somewhere in there in between in between those two points and uh you know if they if they are going to break up those two if they're going to break up cb3 and harden uh they're gonna have trouble doing that right uh i, I read a report yesterday about uh the rockets being able to trade chris paul and basically nobody nobody in the league would take that contract if they were given away chris that's harsh it, right without question that is one of the worst contracts i've seen in the NBA in 15 years. I have, I don't understand what the Rockets were thinking on that. How are you supposed to take down a past your prime Chris Paul and that salary going forward and say, hey guys, come on over to the Rockets? I honestly, I don't know who to believe in this whole situation. I, I really don't. Yeah, you know, and the salary for next year isn't isn't horrible, right? It's it's the years after. Okay. You know that you that because you, if you get one if this was a one year deal left on there then okay I take this risk it comes off the books after next summer and and everything's fine you know like you you took your chance and now you have a chance to resign him for a reasonable number you don't have a chance to do that right he's gonna make over forty million dollars a year after and chances are he's not gonna be the player that that comes in and warrants that kind of deal so that's it's really a year from now that the value is that that that's what's bringing down the value of this contract right now. Final question: What do you see out of the Sixers? Ooh, uh, they're going to try everything they can <laughs> to bring back all of their guys. Uh, th- that's the only move for them. They-, they put all their eggs into into the baskets of Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, and Tobias is going to get a max contract from somebody. There's like six plus teams that are willing to do that, and so they're going to have to they're going to have to give him the max and then convince him that their max is is better beyond even beyond even like the added year that they can provide beyond the added raises they can provide. Um, the real question is whether they want to, or whether they want to get cute with Jimmy Butler and try to offer him anything less. Um, I don't think you can. I think you have to offer him a four year max. I think you might even have to go to the fifth year, which is scary because then you're going to end up a situation like Chris Paul where that last year is just going to like really scare teams if you ever try to trade him. Uh, but if you're the Sixers, you're looking at this, you're saying, I'm, I want to bring back my five starters. They only played in 21 total games last year together, 10 in the regular season, 11 in the playoffs. And I think you need the larger sample size. And you can supplement that with uh, with players around him through the draft and through uh, the mid-level exception, which they should have. Chris, great stuff as always. And I appreciate you coming on and giving us a good idea on the NBA draft and the NBA offseason going forward. And we'll definitely have you back uh, next week to break down the draft. Thank you. Oh, definitely, Jake. Good luck with the magic down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Zing. All right, that was Chris Cross. Of oh, that, was, that, was, that, was not, that was an honest good luck. I want, you, you guys got the 16 pick. You can do. You know, you got Mark out Fultz. I want. I want. I want a good environment down there. I want to see. I want to see you guys back in the playoffs. I would love to see that too. It was a magical season, and I'm really ex- excited to see what the Magic do. I was. Just, I needed to figure out if he was zinging me or not here, but that was Chris Krause of HoopsRumors.com. You can live chat with him tomorrow night, Thursday evening. The NBA draft is tomorrow, and it should be really interesting. I mean, like I said, Chris, it's amazing what this guy knows, the basketball IQ. So just appreciate him having on here. So there you go, folks. We're we're in the new NBA. I mean, like I said, when the Toronto Raptors won, it was the end of a dynasty. It really opened it up. The Lakers go get Anthony Davis, and I feel like this is just the beginning. Also, keep this in mind, too. That that trade is not official until July 6th. So that's all coming up next, and this is Turning Points on iTunes.